Annyeonghaseyo. Welcome to Afternoon of Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare wrecks for good measure, because why not ride the haul you wave all the way to shore? So grab some duck bokeh and listen to your new favorite unease. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi there. <laughs> How is everybody tonight? Good. I Still here. Yeah, I'm like, I feel like I have nothing exciting to tell you, except that, you know, back at work, masking up. Well, I have a little bit of a story. So I think I've said before uh, that my husband and I have very different interests. Like I don't, we're just not alike. Okay. And so it is very rare that our interests intersect at all, especially like in the media we consume or the social media areas that we frequent, if that makes sense. So I told you guys, he (laughs) sent me homework about NFTs. No, I'm not going to define NFTs because I don't really know what they are. All right. You you all can Google it or whatever. I don't know what it is because I haven't done my homework yet. Okay. Non-fungible tokens or something, right? (laughs) Non-fungible tokens, whatever. It doesn't matter. He had sent, he wants me to understand them. He sent me homework. Like I'm talking a month ago. Have I done it yet? No, because I would much rather, you know, watch K-dramas, but (laughs) And he's been well, like, like, he's been trying to like, in, like engage me actually in conversation about NFTs. And I've been like really disinterested because I'm a dick, but I just, I, you know, it just isn't my thing. Okay. I want to talk about, I don't know, the K-drama I'm watching in 1988 and whatever. So I was watching a video of podcasters that I enjoy. It's just sometimes they're kind of like comedian podcasters. I listen to it's Joe Sanagato. He started out on YouTube and um, he has a podcast now called The Basement Yard. And because of something he covered, I got to talk to Neil about NFTs, but it wasn't like how Neil would want me to. So basically, just bear with me on this. Okay. So there was a woman. I feel like I'm on the long and winding road. I know. I'm I know so seriously. Sorry. I'm like, is there, is there <laughs> yes, an actual a point? point? Is this going to be story. you went to BTS a hotel, hotel with BTS? This might be almost like almost So... <laughs> Okay, so you got 30 seconds. You're like my five-year-old right now. <laughs> I know, seriously. <laughs> Do not raise your hand unless you know what you're gonna say. <laughs> okay, so there's a cast member from 90 Day Fiance. I don't know if you guys watch that, but we don't <laughs> move on. <laughs> I am dying right now. <laughs> so they interviewed her because she was selling. <laughs> You guys are gonna be so annoyed with me because she was selling her fart. <laughs> she was I selling her. I did hear that yeah. this had. Ha- I didn't Listen, know any context. I just she was had selling heard. her farts in a jar. Okay? okay, and and honestly, she made like a lot of money doing it. And like you know, more power oh. to her. Like you know, if that's how you want to get your coin and it's working, like go ahead. But what I was excited about is I was like, hey Neil, I have like an NFT thing to talk to you about. And he's like, really? Did you do your homework? I was like, no, it's just that this girl was selling her farts in a jar, <laughs> but she got, 
She had to go to the ER. Did she put the jar in her no. bubble? She had such terrible gas pain that she like thought she was having a heart attack. So she go to oh the emergency room. So she was like, okay, this isn't like a, like, I can't keep doing this. I'm going to like, I'm going to die. Wait, so, so okay. She was forcing her first. <laughs> yes. She, yeah, she was like eating beans and cabbage soup to make Did herself anyone fart. tell her that she could have just like twisted the cap on jars and been like, yes, that's my fart. No, because she's an honest woman. So <laughs> I guess, you know, so I went to oh Neil God, and I was happening like, right now. This is that's like, not you know. an NFT though. Just so no, listen. Know. So I went to Neil. I was like, I've really like an exciting, like enterprising NFT story. I was like, see since she was getting so sick from farting in jars, you can now buy an NFT of her fart jars. <laughs> I want to know what Neil's reaction was because at this point I'm already he, dying. I'm like, why? Like, are you still married to him? <laughs> he just stared at me and he was like, are you fucking serious? He's like, I gave, I gave you like legitimate, legitimate research tools to learn about nfts but the only conversation you want to have about them is because <laughs> a woman is selling her fart jars and i was like look look if you she has like ten thousand, and you could unlock yeah, not a physical fart jar like that's one of the bonuses of her nfts like isn't that smart and he was just like he walked he walked away he walked away. He was so mad. Yeah, I, I like want to walk, walk away, away from this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I want to walk away right now. If anyone's still listening, like we are so lucky. <laughs> Seriously, we have a great episode for you, but we've got no one left. <laughs> I'm, they're not going to let me talk, but it kind of leads into this drama a little bit. No, I mean, I don't it know. really doesn't. Well, I mean, there's some poop humor and I mean, I could, I'm just saying. Okay. That's the, we're connecting some dots. <laughs> it's a stretch, but I'll take it. I feel like I'm Amy right now. Even I'm on Amy's side for once. See, see, now you know what it feels like to be me. I mean, maybe we can get like Gong Yu tier jar NFTs. I don't That's even know what we're talking. I still, I don't really <laughs> you, know. Okay, so is, frankly, an NFT is digital. Yeah, it's like a digital representation of something. Yeah, but you could be like, look, I got a fart jar. It's just a digital one. But how do you? I, it would be a, it would be a, a picture of Gong Yu's fart jar, but it would be like no his tear. I, no, I don't tear want his jar. Farts, yeah, I don't want Gong Yu's tear jar. <laughs> no, we're not going to explain NFTs right now because I don't fully understand it. Like I have no, done and research. I, I don't uh, actually on Bitcoin wanna... and NFTs, and <laughs> it's a big rabbit hole. We're not going to we're not going to put our listeners through that right now after they just listen to what Megan. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh... <laughs> well, basically what I'm trying to say is that like, oh, it's really hard for me to get interested in anything, but if it involves fart jars, then I'm usually on board and I'll have a discussion about it. What I, here's what I want out of this scenario right now. Okay. Is I want when, cause you're editing this episode, yeah. when you, when you listen back <laughs> to this, I'm going to cut it all out. I want you, you, wow. No, you are not. I feel like I'm in a <laughs> drugged induced fever dream right now. I've like lost sense of time and reality and space. I am just in a fart jar, basically. I'm not telling you guys trapped. any more stories I'm ever. Trapped. I'm trapped in a digital fart jar. <laughs> the worst kind of fart jar. <laughs> 
I I really didn't think we were going to lead with fart jars. I really did not. I'm so sorry. Count on me to lead with fart jars. <laughs> yeah, I just, I would like everybody to know that we did not know what Megan was coming in with. <laughs> we did not. I was like, I got a story and they're like, okay. I know I've given my six-year-old something to chew on because the other day she was talking about farts, much like Megan, although in a different context <laughs> and she's six. And she came to me and asked me questions about my farts. And I just told her I didn't have a butthole. And now she's like completely gobsmacked. (laughs) I was like, I don't fart. She's like, you have to fart. I'm like, I don't have a butthole. So I don't fart. And she was like, well, oh, (laughs) so she's been really chewing on that for like two days. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. Let's get into some. Okay. (laughs) Romance. Otherwise this is just going to devolve into some real shit pun intended (laughs) (laughs) actually it's still going to unfortunately it is going to devolve into actual shit yeah (laughs) all right so look (laughs) i don't know i can't even believe like i'm trying to bring this back to like serious not even it's this isn't even serious it just just pretendly sounds serious just trying to bring it away from digital farts like (laughs) it's like playing tug of war and squid game i tell you in 1964 during the Jacobellis versus Ohio case, U.S. Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart uttered a line that has become most well-known in relation to identifying something as pornography. What it is, it's the infamous, I know it when I see it statement. So have you all heard that one before? Like people try to define porn, like this idea of like, I know it when I see it. It sounds very whatever. So today, happily or perhaps unhappily for some of you listening at home, we're not talking about fart jars or pornography <laughs> in K-drama. And look, I'm not opposed to talking about pornography in K-drama, but I think it'd be a very short episode because there's not much <laughs> of any of that happening. So what we are talking about today is our quirky dramas. And quirky, by a very strict definition, is something characterized by peculiar or unexpected traits. And while it can be hard to explain... Much like, you know, friend of the pod now, Chief Justice Stewart, (laughs) you know it when you see it. Or like the kids at, you know, university to say right now, it's a vibe or it's a whole mood, you know, and we're trying to say what's quirky. You're so hip. So hip. (laughs) It's a whole mood. But quirky shows are probably going to utilize humor. That's not to say they won't have poignant moments, but there will likely be an intentional use of one of three kinds of comedy. So there's deadpan which is dry humor or dry witted humor. And that's like that deliberative display of emotional neutrality or no emotion as a form of comedic delivery to contrast the ridiculousness or absurdity of a subject matter. So if you want to think of like a good hands-on example, watch literally any Wes Anderson movie because there's just so much deadpan. Then we have what probably is my least favorite, obviously Megan's most favorite type of humor. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) <laughs> no, actually, I don't think I am. Um, slap I like slapstick. Stick. So slapstick is like exaggerated physical activity that can often be over the top, like violent or very broad and absurd. So like go back and like think of like the Naked Gun franchise or National Lampoon or like Austin Powers. And then there's cringe comedy where you're laughing, but you're also like very embarrassed for the people on screen. And I feel like The Office is like such a perfect example of cringe, especially anytime we see Michael Scott talking. (laughs) Also something like Portlandia. 
Today, we'll use Mad for Each Other, a 2021 Netflix drama, as our primary deep dive, but also reference, without spoilers unless clearly noted, other K-dramas that get a quirky crown. So pop a flower behind one ear and let's dive in. First, a quick overview of the Mad for Each Other premise. Lee Min Kyung, played by Oh Yun Se, and No Yo, played by Jung Woo, are next-door neighbors who unknowingly share a therapist. They both have trauma they are looking to overcome. Min Kyung is troubled by anxiety and compulsions following an abusive relationship. Huyo is suspended from his job on the police force due to anger issues. Okay, um, hit pause for a second. Relationship abuse, police violence, and this is a rom-com that isn't complete and total problematic garbage? I know, but it's not. So these two hate each other. Like, this isn't polite dislike. This is, I'd be tempted to kill you if I could, despising. But they keep crossing paths and finding out commonalities and go from enemies to friendly neighbors to lovers in a way that feels organic and believable. So this is a spoiler-free section where we're going to be talking about aspects of Mad for Each Other without getting into anything that's going to ruin the story for you if you haven't seen it yet. And hopefully it will entice you to even maybe check it out. So first, I wanted to just dive in with this idea of it being a quirky drama by mentioning the Mad for Each Other trailer, and we'll drop a link to the trailer in our podcast show notes so you can check it out and just kind of see what I'm talking about. But here's basically like a quick blow by blow on how the trailer plays out. We start seeing this rooftop parking lot in Seoul. Someone apparently likes to park their sedan like an absolute asshole. This car is just parking in all the shittiest of ways. And then we start to hear this male voice that's like disembodied, slowly getting more and more agitated as the vehicle continues like day by day to be parked in the most selfish and crappy way. Enter stage right comes a guy in sweats and a high visibility neighborhood watch style vest. He's yelling like a Braveheart extra and he is here for one reason and one reason alone. And that is to jack up this car. And that's what happens for like the next 30 seconds. He's just beating the shit out of this car. Then enter stage right we see this like boho flowy flower skirt paired with these like shit kicker combat boots walking calmly toward the scene of the car violence and whoever this is is dragging a heavy metal pole the camera slowly pans up and it's this beautiful delicate woman with a flower behind her ear retro sunglasses a sweater vest and she's holding this little foo-foo dog in her arm And she's really calm. She's like way more calm than like Mr. Angry. But for some reason, you just get the sense emanating from her that she is here for a lot more violence. And she climbs up on the hood of the car and just sends the metal pole of what I think is a no parking sign. Like the word, like it's in Hangul. So I'm just inferring what it's trying to say. She sends it through the windshield. Like she's like making a goddamn lunar landing. And then they both stare at the camera camera serene among the chaos like the car alarm's going off it's completely destroyed and then the title appears mad for each other so (laughs) you know what clues right out of the gate with that (laughs) did you get a sense that you were going to be walking into a quirky drama so i have not seen this trailer until now like just five minutes ago when i watched it before when i opened up the script and it would 100 make me want to watch the drama like now (laughs) now it almost makes me want to watch it again it definitely leads to more questions than answers which is what I like and basically it looks like fun with a smirk I like that 
And I hadn't seen this trailer either until um, Leah shared it in the script. So it was really fun to watch. So it's weird to talk about it after having seen the drama because I can connect the dots now. Whereas if you just saw it fresh, you you wouldn't be able to. So usually a trailer is a compilation of clips from a drama or a movie and giving you just a bunch of scenes that are edited together. But this trailer is, as you pointed out before, Leah, just a mood. Like there are no actual clips from the drama. It's just Wio and Min Kyung letting their disorders take center stage. And I only know this because I saw the drama already. But if I was going into the trailer with no prior knowledge, my first reaction would be that there is zero story in the trailer, only personality and a whole lot of quirk, which I loved. Yeah, I mean, like, I think you get a sense very quickly that this is going to be a very hardcore character driven show. And I did watch the trailer before watching because when we're choosing dramas for the pod, we tend to like kind of pick quite a few dramas and kind of say like, oh, for the next like two to three months, these are going to be the ones we're going to watch. And so, you know, every once in a while, I kind of like roll the dice. I'm like, I know I've got like five dramas to watch. Which one am I going to choose next? And I checked out the trailer for this drama first and I didn't even look at anything else. I was like, that was like, that had enough personality and kind of like that quirky vibe that I was kind of craving that I just went for it right away. I feel like even though there's no clue as to like any other plot choices that are going on, it still tells you just enough because it let the characters take center stage. And I love that. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, you just get a taste of what the heart of the drama is all about. Okay. So basically like, are you a fan of quirkiness or not so much? I am without a doubt, like no questions asked, 100% a fan. Like The Office, like you mentioned before, is one of my favorite TV shows, as is Parks and Rec, The Good Place, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, all shows produced or created by Mike Schur, and so full of cork. Like that's kind of his thing, and I love it. The same goes with my newfound love in Western media, which is Ted Lasso. And if anyone out there remembers the short-lived Lee Pace television show called Pushing Daisies, about a guy who could wake the dead with one touch and then put them to eternal rest with a second touch. And then he finds his true love has been murdered. So he wakes her, but then can never touch her again because she'll die. And also he's a pie maker with his newfound power, joins forces with a detective to solve murders. Does it get (laughs) more quirky than that? And like that show only lasted one season and I'm still not over it before it got canceled. So yeah, this trailer would have hooked me to at least find out more about the drama Luckily, I had already watched it. (laughs) I adore Quirk. I mean, that was why I chose this drama because I thought it just looked really cool. Um, I'm down to watch any drama that gives me what I would consider unconventional leads. So these two with all their faults are really unconventional. Kind of reminds me of how the leads met in I Am Not a Robot. That is decidedly not a meat cute and more (laughs) like a meat mess. (laughs) That sounds, I mean, meat M-E-E-T, but... (laughs) Um, yeah, so I love me a good meat mess. <laughs> meat mess, I think, is my new favorite word. I, I love that a lot. Mess too. Yeah, I like meat mess, but that's exactly, you know, and I think K-dramas, there's a lot of good meat messes for sure. So Megan, beside being our resident fart jar connoisseur, <laughs> you win the most likely to find a gem uh, after Nuna podcast award. So what inspired you to watch this drama? I mean, I don't really remember I saw a few Patreon comments that were really positive a couple um, people said that they were watching it and I was in the mood for a romance but I didn't want like a 20 episode one do you know like to be honest I I was looking for cork and this fit the bill and I'm always interested to see how K-dramas handle mental illness and th- that was pretty clear 
in the description that it, it, you know, both the characters were, were dealing with it. So yeah. And I have to say, like, I love the therapy sessions. So many therapy scenes we got in this, like yay therapy. So. And Amy, like what tipped you off right in episode one, that this was going to be one of the quirkier K-dramas that we have watched for the podcast. So skip ahead listeners. If you don't want me to spoil just the opening scene of the drama, which doesn't spoil any story. It just really gives us a great, I think, sense of character and sense of quirk. So I'm just going to talk about a few things that happen in the opening scene. So if you don't want to hear it, skip ahead, giving you your chance to do that now. Ready? Three, two, one. So nothing major as far as story happens in the very beginning, but it's the perfect introduction to Huyo's personality. The drama starts by plopping us in the middle of Huyo's day, which is a series of unfortunate events from him sitting next to a loud cell phone talker on the bus missing his stop because a car doesn't work on the reader, getting off in his sweats and soccer slides, no socks, only to find it's pouring rain. But Eureka, he finds an umbrella, which is a bit in need of repair, but shelters him enough to find an awning under which he stops to take a smoke, only to have the awning dump a bucket of water on him like he's Jennifer Beals in Flashdance. I probably just dated myself, but that's okay. Leah brought up the naked gun. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, Huyo is having a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And it is a great setup for some good old quirk because it is really, truly just all personality and all him reacting to the environment around him. And we see how his reactions are different, you know, pretty much than everybody else, you know, going about their day. And I just, I loved it. It was funny. It was frustrating. I empathized with him because I would have been so pissed off if all that stuff happened. But then also you get the sense that he does have his anger issues because he's trying to hold it together. And finally it just explodes. Yeah. And you can kind of see each situation takes a bigger, bigger toll on him. Yes. And you can tell it's, he's, he's like a pressure keg and he's about to blow his top and <laughs> he kind of does. Yeah. Yes. He's like a human Instapot basically. He really yeah. is. That's a great, that's a great analogy. I like that. Um, so Leo, you watched reply 1994 and had a love hate relationship with the drama. What were your expectations going in knowing that the lead for mad for each other was a major cast member from 94? Yeah. So I think here's the deal. I do have a love hate relationship with reply 1994, but I think even more to the point, I have a love hate relationship with um, the, like the starring actor from that drama, Jung Woo, who's the main lead in this one. So in reply 1994, there were times where his acting and character depiction were just like nails on my psychic chalkboard. I would just like grit my teeth through scenes And then he would have this scene where he acted with just such pure authenticity and raw emotion that like it honestly would leave me breathless. And I'm not even being like hyperbolic. I'd be gasping. If I owned pearls, I'd clutch them. (laughs) So is he, you know, my favorite actor? No, but look, he is legit amazing as well. And so I'm going to say that even though he does drive me crazy, When I see him in something now, especially after watching Mad for Each Other, it's like, you son of a bitch, I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) I love that that changed your view of him. Like, I love that you already came in with this sort of preconceived notion. And early on in our conversations about this, you weren't like feeling him. And then all of a sudden, like, I don't know which episode it was that like stuck the landing for you, but you were like, holy shit, like he's amazing. 
Yeah, I felt like I was enjoying the drama for what it was. And I think it's really structurally sound. And so, I mean, like I was appreciating it. But yeah, there's like something with him always that like, I'm either going to be all in or all out in any given, and like in the same drama, like, you know, depending on like the scene, even I'm going to feel that way. But yeah, for the last 25% of this drama, I was just like, all in. So, so, okay. What is a drama that you would say has a similar vibe and why? Okay. So trying to think of a drama that felt quirky to me, I'm going back to one that we watched a while ago, which was my love from the star. Um, Even though. Megan hates the title with a passion of a thousand <laughs> fiery burning planets. Um, <laughs> My love from the star with Kim Soo Hyun. Man, do I miss those lips as a boomer alien and Jun Ji Hyun equal parts, gorgeous and comic genius as a K drama actress falling out of favor with the public. You and not as her quote unquote, best friend who really just wants to steal her life. And Park Hae-jin as one of my most adored second male leads so much so that I gave him my very first SOS. This drama is filled with all the humors that Leah mentioned. I think there's deadpan, there's slapstick, and there's cringe. It has a maniacal villain who is too much of a doctor. I forgot about him. (laughs) I forgot about him. He's so great. A maniacal villain who is too much of a Dr. Evil type caricature to actually Mm -hmm. find frightening. And each episode ends with these quirky little confessionals from our boomer alien that give us an alternate view of an earlier poignant scene. So I think one other piece of criteria I'd add to the quirk definition is that at its core, it also has heart. Um, And you did bring that up, Leah, like it's, you know, it's not to say that quirky dramas don't have poignant moments, but I do think there is real heart in all of the ones that we kind of came up with here. And it's true, both of this drama and mad for each other. I felt a lot of feels in both, but I also laughed hard and cringed hard in both as well. So I would say Into the Ring, both Mad for Each Other and Into the Ring have an indie feel to them with like interesting camera angles and unconventional leads that don't seem like they'll work at all. But then we find out they really, really work. And I would say Into the Ring also does have a little bit of like slapstick. There's definitely some like over the top physical humor. There's definitely deadpan because that's like all the hero does. There's cringy moments. I think it has a little bit of everything. But to me, those those dramas really seem to align. Yeah. And I feel like for me, like, I'm going to kind of say something along the lines of like, it's okay to not be okay. And not just because like they sure. strongly yeah. deal with um, mental health, but you know, I would say it's okay to not be okay. Also, while it definitely had like the vibe of having more of an investment behind it, you know, like it did feel like more of a bigger budget drama to some degree. I feel like it did have a quirk element to it and like unexpected choices, like the heavy emphasis on like the storybooks coming to life and the picture book, fantastical stories. And then honestly, I think Moon Young was like all cringe humor a lot of times unintentionally. And then, yeah, we have like two characters who definitely are like very deeply in their trauma that again, you can like on some ways, like you hope you are going to see how it's going to work out, but you're also kind of not quite sure because like really when like they're not holding back when it comes to the dif- dysfunction of the characters. So yeah, I'd say those three are all really good comps for this drama too. Okay. So one thing is I always like to kind of look, especially when a screen play kind of like grabs my attention at like who the writer was, or at least the lead writer who gets the credit. And in this case, um, the drama writer was Kyung Ah. And this is the only thing that I could find listed as a credit. I looked and I looked and I also couldn't find any interviews with her. So I guess without like any context, let's discuss a bit of the writing. 
And Megan, you already acknowledged one of the reasons you went into this drama was because it was short. So I kind of wanted to hear more about that and like how the length worked for you. So I'm really loving shorter dramas lately. I kind of get my happily ever after hit of serotonin faster. And for this drama, I thought the length worked perfect. Both these characters had already been through a lot before the story began. Drawing out this story would have only made them but up against more and more conflict. And I kind of didn't, I didn't want that. You know, and I never felt like they were being dragged around by a plot that was torturing them, which I think it could easily be if this had been stretched out longer. I really felt like it was a nice condensed bit of time in their lives. I'm laughing a little bit because I've realized that I think I do maybe have a sickness lately with my mood where I have been enjoying the long dragged out torture plots. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's like killing yeah. it's killing me. And like cuz <laughs> cuz we were talking about that. I was like, how come I'm always wrecking these like short dramas? <laughs> Leah's like, how about you take this like monster that's 20 episodes and each or episode more, is yeah. like a movie. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> really like true. we have very yeah, cuz I feel like I like I guess I'm like edging my my dramas and I want for real for real meanwhile I'm like can I just have a short little bit (laughs) and then Amy like as our resident story structure nerd how would you say that this drama hits all the beats but still remains you know a total quirk fest okay let me see if I can do this without giving too much away but I mean we start which is how all good romances start with the status quo for both both leads which happens to be a glimpse into each of their mental health issues and then we have an inciting incident which leads we to need to get home fast and min kyung because because of his behavior being erratic and she gets scared when she happens upon him on a dark street she makes it very hard for him to get home and take care of what he needs to take care of which we'll touch on later <laughs> It's the cringiest of cringe humor, and yet it works so well to set these two up to be enemies because it's only after this incident that they realize that they are next door neighbors. And after this incident, like, Rio hates her, <laughs> like, fiery burning hate. And it's just the perfect setup for uh, an enemies to lovers romance. And then we get, you know, L- Leah talked about the progression of their romance earlier on that, you know, it's enemies and then friends and then lovers. And so we get that, that sort of, you know, break into act two where they start spending more time together. And then there is sort of like the fun and games. And then there is that, you know, dark moment and then a climax and then, you know, the resolution with the happily ever after. But in addition to that, we've got like some great romance tropes going on. Like, you know, like I already said, this is like the be all and end all, I think of enemies to lovers. We have Mm -hmm. forced proximity, not only with them living next door to each other, but with having to share a therapist, which I think that's a really interesting sort of forced proximity kind of thing. They keep bumping into each other at the office. Like he always tries to slip away without her seeing him. And then, you know, we talked in our, one of our recent podcasts, I don't remember if it was the last one or the one before about universal fantasy. So if you haven't listened to our universal fantasy podcast, universal fantasy, which is seven figure fiction, um, a book by T Taylor or Theodora Taylor and talking about what we kind of put on top of tropes in romance that kind of make it that rich sort of you know, butter, like the, the tropes are sweet. And then the, you know, the, the universal fantasy is like that thing that we can all sort of universally relate to that fantasy that we all can relate to that makes it just so rich and delectable. And I think one of the big universal fantasies in this is both of our leads having 
emotional wounds that can only be healed with the power of like love and trust. We talked about it in um, earlier, earlier podcasts, especially Megan and I both loving the sort of like wounded hero and Leah loving the emotionally wounded hero. And that's, you know, total butter for us. And so I really loved that aspect of it too, is that it's not just, and I think that's what ties it all together and makes it that sort of quirk is that we have this really cringy thing that happens in episode one. We have some total slapstick type of humor, but then we also have this really, really deep heart of the drama and this sort of poignancy to it that I think wraps it all up in this beautiful sort of quirky bow. Yeah. And I also think you have a hero who's kind of aggressive, a little crude and crass, but then, you know, once the romance really does start to get going, he shows his soft side to the heroine and kind of to the heroine only. This isn't a spoiler, but he's a police detective and he is kind of known as like the mad dog of gangdom. Yeah. He's a little reckless and he's aggressive in his job and he's a little bit like a bulldog, you know? And I kind of love that he's that, but then he meets this woman who he has to be really delicate with, especially when it comes to violence. And he does. Yeah. But then you still get that universal fantasy of like getting to bang the beast. Like, yeah. you know, she still gets to like bang the mad dog of Gongo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the emotional boo-boo. I mean, like, yeah, he's a basket. They're both baskets of boo-boos. But in this case, like, yeah, when you get to like bang, bang the beast, and then you're the one who can like also fix his psychic boo-boos. Like, yeah, that's also universal fantasy. Mm-hmm. In real life, you want to send him to the therapist that he goes <laughs> to and like walk away. But yeah. Right. <laughs> but when when love can help conquer, we like that. And that's a fantasy, right? Because in, in real life, there's there's much more to it than just love conquering all and fixing mm-hmm. our emotional wounds. Okay, so Leah, was there anything within the fast pacing that didn't work for you? Yeah, I mean, like, I wouldn't say that I think the show was too short because I do think it was structurally sound, but I think some things kind of rushed or they had to sacrifice like some depth because it's a shorter drama. And I think that overall, that's okay. And so, yeah, I think that overall the drama in its short episode format does hold up structurally. Um, There's just a few things that I think because it's rushed, I'm a little bit mad on like one and without getting into too many spoilers, they're both dealing with trauma from their past. Very, very different trauma. And in the hero's case, his ties in loosely with a drug dealer and I'm not going to go into the details and like the whole thing, the premise of it works fine in holding up the plot architecture, but whereas the rest of the drama continuously surprised me and I felt like made unexpected choices, this element ended up feeling just like more flat. And I think some of that was because like they were trying to compact it all into this like shorter drama cycle, but that also is just like a minor quibble and just randomly like, where did the dad go? Like the hero's dad is this like grumpy scene stealer in episode one. And then like, poof, he's gone. And like, I kind of wanted like daddy issues to be hashed out, but you know, there's no space for that. in like a 12 episode 45 or what is it? 12 episode. And they're all like, yeah, 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for, he had, Since he had, he had a very big role in the first episode and then he, and then he was just kind of gone. That's it. Yep. Yeah. So who would likely binge this drama and who might want to give it a miss? So I think you might 
want to give it a miss. If cringe humor makes you cringe, you might be turned off in episode one, but, and we haven't gotten to it yet. We will talk about it, but we're not giving spoilers yet. But the cringe humor in episode one, I actually found what should have been super cringy, actually quite realistic and afterwards equally emotional because that's the scene that we have with the dad and the mom. Mm -hmm. Like, so it's super cringy and then gets to super emotional. And I think it just balances out so well. So I, I think what I would say is anybody who is worried about cringe humor, there's such a great balance of poignant moments with that kind of humor that I think if you can, you know, step out of your comfort zone that you would really enjoy this. Yeah, I just don't agree. That's really good too, because I say like, for me, what I don't enjoy is like cringe slash slapstick. That tends to be like, I get kind of like bored and not as enjoying of like that experience. But this I'd say is like cringe humor slash poignancy. And in that case, it balances out really nicely. So yeah, I'm going to say if you liked Into the Ring, you're probably going to like this drama. I thought that was a really strong comp that Megan made and like the vibe (laughs) of uh, this drama felt very much aligned to that. And you're going to really hate it if you hate explicit pooping. (laughs) So we're going to get to that in a bit. You hated our intro, the intro to our show. Right. I hated the intro to our show too, but I still like this drama. (laughs) Because you want to know why? There was no poignant balance to that story, Megan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there was no take home. Like, oh, well, the no. It was just, she was selling her farts in a jar. She made herself sick by doing it. So now she's selling (laughs) fart jar NFTs. Yeah, that's the story. I I had blocked it out of my mind. And here we are again. All right. Well, I just wrapped up our intro in like 15 seconds. Yeah, you did. (laughs) I mean, we were just going in so many directions. I was like, (laughs) honestly, I'm a little frazzled today. I am a little frazzled today. So my thoughts weren't totally coherent. It's fair. I swear I'd worked it out better in my head. We've all been there. So So I'm a writer and not, well, I would say I'm not a public speaker, but I have a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And to save you from yourself, we are now going to move to our favorite part of every episode, which is our K-pop wreck of the week. And Megan, what do you have this week? So I decided to just do a little throwback of a song that I've been listening to a lot lately that is just a lot of fun and I love. So it is Hard Carry by GOT7. So it's an older song. GOT7 is kind of disbanded, doing their own thing. Jin Young was in Yumi Cells, but uh, the song is fun. It's a good throwback. So yeah, Hard Carry by GOT7. If you enjoy our podcast, you have our patrons to thank, at least in part. Afternoon of Delight Patreon allows us to keep creating content for y'all to enjoy. Thank you so much to everyone who is supporting us there. And not to brag, but our Patreon community is pretty awesome. And you can join at a tier that feels good to you. Gain access to fun perks like K-drama posts, monthly Patreon-only bonus podcasts, and even a live K-drama support group on Zoom. Because we know firsthand what it's like to have no one to talk to about those crazy plot twists, amazing characters, and all those feelings. And look, no one should have to walk that walk alone. 
So learn more by visiting afternoonadelight.com. That's www.afternoonadelight.com. And hey, while you're on the website, you can check out Afternoon Delight podcast merch, find links to book recommendations, bop along to our K-pop recs, blow up your skin with K-merch recs, find all of our social media and a link to our email so you can send us recommendations or feedback. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you pop over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review? It really helps with our discoverability. Gamsamnida. We are now transitioning into the spoiler section of the podcast, which means that, you know, we're going to be talking more intentionally about actual things that occurred in the drama. And if if you would like to go into this one and experience like the surprise of watching it fresh, this is where you should probably go on the off ramp. If you don't mind hearing spoilers, stick around. And of course, obviously, if you've seen the drama, you want to be here with us because (laughs) the first question is going to directly address what we were you know, dancing around with before. And this is going to be a question for Megan because who else are we going to give it to, frankly? So Megan, can a hero shit his pants and not just poop his pants like a lady? I mean, (laughs) shit his pants like he is Jeff Daniels in Dumb and Dumber on like a laxative coffee spike binge and still be hot. (laughs) Oh, it's just so appropriate. See, you guys, you guys didn't let me bring it back around. Um, Okay, so I'll admit that episode one had me questioning whether this drama was right for me. (laughs) I wanted quirk, but I didn't want like hero shitting his pants quirk. (laughs) Because basically that's, that's what happened. So as Amy was saying, he needs to get home very, very quickly because he is going to shit his pants. And the heroine, she's paranoid for, for reasons that make sense. And she sees this like guy and he's like grunting and making really weird noises. And he's he's walking in the exact same direction she is because they're neighbors. They live right next to each other. And she didn't know that. And so she's terrified of him. And basically she kind of impedes his progress on getting home and, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and 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 he shits his pants before he can much run. like the water that shoots in geysers out of the mouths of people in the silent sea is what happens to his pants oh it's well, yeah, so hard. i mean his dad's on the toilet when he gets home his parents yeah, are in his yes. apartment and his dad's on the toilet and he yeah. keeps opening the door he's like dad get off the toilet yeah and like you feel so bad for him because he's like so close he's so close <laughs> to not shitting his pants and then why and are his parents there because i actually thought he lived with his parents for me like, too yeah. but then they're just there so why Shitting is his dad on the not even your toilet dad get off so so look i don't need to be thirsting for the male lead in every drama but i but i do like to find him like at least moderately attractive <laughs> so watching a hero shit his pants is decidedly unattractive but and and so I was like, is this seriously, this might be like too much for me, but I was super fascinated at how this writing was going to pair these two leads together because again, they started out enemies. Like, I don't know if I can fully you know describe how much they despised each other. And so I, that was why I kept watching. And I'm obviously so glad I did. The poop humor and silliness really did give way to a deep drama that settled and matured as it went and also the fact that we find out later that he had bowel issues because of the medications for he was taking for his mental condition and things well like i mean i forgave him you know what i mean it's not like he i don't know was trying to 
was trying to fart in a jar. <laughs> Always going to come back to the fart in a jar. He wasn't, he wasn't hospitalized for his home. Yeah. Action. You know, the poor guy was just taking, uh, you know, medication to help his brain imbalance, you know, yeah. and then it caused. And uh, he was truly trying along the way. Like there were many times where he was thwarted through oh, yeah. situations and faults not of his own like it right. wasn't like he was just like pooping for his own fetish <laughs> yeah <laughs> like he's like a gross dude he like needed to get home the medication was causing him to have bowel issues and the poor guy just could not nothing could go right for him the 7-eleven worker wasn't going to give him the key to the bathroom oh nope. yeah that's another <laughs> thing too he tried to use the bathroom properly and he was thwarted so I also think I'm like desensitized to poop issues and dramas a little bit because I have seen maybe half a dozen dramas where one of the leads clogs a toilet and it's like a whole, it's like a whole part of the plot. Like it's insane. Like Yumi sells. My oh my God. Yumi sells was so bad. Yeah. And my roommate is a Gumio. I am not a robot. I mean, that's three right there. And I'm sure there's more. Those are just the ones I can think of right there now. Really is my a lot head. of poop. There is a lot yeah, of poop. Like those are, those all have like toilet clogging issues with poop that, so you know what I'm saying? I feel like I get it every episode. It's like, it's like a, the, a piggyback ride. It's a new trope. It's just it's like-, like a new trope. <laughs> Fish I kiss poop fish kiss clog in a toilet yeah. all right so moving on okay <laughs> amy let's talk about the heroine's arc like how did you find her at the start where uh versus where she ends the drama and how do you think the writing served the character how come amy gets all the thinky questions and i get <laughs> do you do you really want me to do answer that megan <laughs> megan do you know how tonight started do you do you remember yeah, gonna... like 30 minutes ago <laughs> I just want to say, <laughs> I meet people you where they are. I meet what, people where they are. You sew. <laughs> and you sew fart jars. Reap what you sew. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You reap what you sew. <laughs> you would. Let me move on to my thinking okay. question. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a good thing that I didn't eat a lot of um, beans tonight or I would be laughing so hard. I'd be making my own <laughs> whatever. You know what? You know what? We're going to have some NFTs soon, you guys. Afternoon and delight fart jars coming your way. <laughs> Except mine is just going to be me. <laughs> jarring up air because of course you don't actually you, know, no, you don't actually do have to fart in a jar chemistry right. experiments <laughs> to like see if there's still a grade fart left in that jar oh my god oh my god <sighs> okay amy again just to reiterate where we were how like we're talking about the heroine's arc now how did you find her at the start versus where she ends in the drama and how did the writing serve the character min kyung lives in fear after a terribly abusive relationship. She loses her job and her ability to trust herself and hides behind big, dark sunglasses, even when she's indoors. Did she close the windows, lock the door, turn off the gas? Is the man barreling toward the elevator with an awkward lumbering gait? A man who wants to harm her or just a guy who is going to shit his pants if he doesn't get to his apartment now? She's too scared to trust herself to make the right assessment, but in forming a bond with first a small scruffy dog 
and Huyo, who she describes to her therapist as only a large dog who doesn't bite women, she learns to step outside of her comfort zone. She has Huyo teach her self-defense. She stands up for herself to her initial attacker's mother, even when she could take a very lucrative settlement. She comes out from behind the glasses and she learns to trust. However, the writer does not make Huyo her one and only savior. Yes, they do save each other, but she also gets to save herself or at least prove that she can trust in herself by traveling abroad on her own before coming back for our happily ever after. Her change is slow and gradual, both physically and emotionally, so that by the end of the drama, she is this vibrant, independent woman who is almost unrecognizable as the same woman that we saw at the start of the drama. I think it's truly a beautiful and emotional metamorphosis. And I loved how the writing treated this character so very much. You're right. At the very end, she's just like glowing compared to how we start the drama. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. (laughs) So in the short drama, there is a real focus on the two main characters, but it's also an ensemble. And so underlined, bolded, and you know in all caps what is one (laughs) character from the ensemble who stood out to you and for my purposes you know the three neighborhood ajumas could count as one as well love those ajumas but i gotta go with samantha who i i looked it up just to to double check the character's name is lee sang yup but samantha as well you guys can expand on samantha because she's the best well I'll, pa- I'll let Megan do that because I'm going to surprise you all as like the most bemused animal lover on our show. And I'm going to go for Howie, like the little, <laughs> the little ruffle tumble dog. Like that little dog was also a whole mood. I love that little dog. <laughs> when have you ever heard Leah say, I love and have an animal come after right. you? I know. I agree. And I don't even really like love dogs that much. And I love that little dog. <laughs> Except for when the dog, can we just really quickly about this yeah. dog? Because we don't talk about it, I think, at any other point. <laughs> so the dog gets poisoned <laughs> by the villain. That's not the funny part. I didn't mean to laugh <laughs> yeah. at that. I just that's know where hilarious. this is going. Yeah. I just no. know where this is going. <laughs> and so, yeah, obviously that's horrible. But when we see the dog later, the dog looks as if, <laughs> I don't even know, like. It's broken in, a like, leg. <laughs> multiple casts, a cone. <laughs> And then they're like, well, his diagnosis was like poisoning. And I was like, well, because I was like, oh, my God, the villain not only like poisoned the dog, he like freaking broke the dog, like not laughing. Like I was like, holy shit. Like, yeah. And then they're like, no, no, the diagnosis is poisoning. I think they were just like, look, we really need to drive home the point that the dog's been through some shit. So we're just going <laughs> to like bandage it up. Like, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh, is the dog going to need like a radio flyer? And of course the bandages are over the fur. Like there's yeah. never a shaved head in sight. No, 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 no. But yeah, sweet little dog. Okay. And then, yeah, Megan, maybe like expand a bit on like Samantha and the role that she played. Samantha was kind of like another iteration, I guess, of Lee sang Yup, their neighbor. And so I like this because, so he says he doesn't want to be labeled really he just says he's a man who likes to dress like a woman and but when he dresses a woman his name's samantha and i just really adored how they use this character at one point um leo has to dress like a woman for this like undercover detective business 
So he has Samantha do his makeup. And I kind of just love that they like use Samantha or uh, for that purpose. But then, and then Samantha's also like a hacking genius because then they like used her for, for that too. And I just thought he was a really sweet character. And I kind of, I just wanted to hear more about his story because he kind of is definitely dealing with judgment. And I also think he was dealing with not quite sure what, what he definitely what what he was like he didn't quite know yeah. how to label himself not that he needed labels but i'm also but gonna I think- say i don't think the drama knew <laughs> like no. i feel and like that's okay. just, like taking a stab at like doing something more progressive yeah um i don't I think feel like that's okay yeah i don't think the character was coded as um full transgender but i also right. felt like it yeah, I think that like again, I gave I was appreciative that we had like a different like yeah, we were outside of like gender uh, normativity. Mm-hmm. However, I do think that like yeah, they weren't nobody was really quite sure like fully how to handle it. So I think like look, I give it a bit of a star for like making an effort, but I still think mm-hmm. there was like a little bit of clunkiness to it, yeah. although the character was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So on a scale of one to mad scientist lab, Dr. Frankenstein party, what are your thoughts on the leads chemistry? Like what was a moment that worked for you? I mean, their chemistry was a plus. I loved it. I don't think that there is a scene that we all freaked out on more than that final kiss while Huyo is holding a bad guy. (laughs) <laughs> and the way that, and the way that they did it was so genius because it looks like, like I was scared that after all that they'd been through, that the drama was going off the rails at the very end and making Huyo just this loose cannon who will never be able to control his anger when really he's just taking down a bad guy. And Min Kyung thinks the same thing. She's afraid that she has pushed him to the brink by leaving him and moving away. And she thinks she's pushed him to the brink and that he's just going and beating up people on the street. And so she goes after him and thinking the same thing the viewers are thinking only to find out that he's just a good cop, a good guy being a good cop. And then they kiss while he is physically detaining the bad guy on the street. Like, I love that. So was the bad much. guy, the flasher, did they finally catch the flasher? Or is that who it was? They had, a different, this okay. is somebody else. Was, they had already caught yeah. the flasher. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I'm like kind of blanking, but that's yeah. okay. And like, I do think that that final kiss is going into the hall of fame of K-drama kisses. It was like that good. And I also really liked that there was an explicit nod to sex in this drama. Like it doesn't get too randy, which is good because I don't personally think I could probably handle Jungwoo really just like giving it. <laughs> but, you know, it, gave, it got me what I needed. And I liked that, like to set up that scene, he's kind of like, next to her on the couch debating if he's going to make the move and she's kind of like reclining on her back and then finally just kind of looks over and is like do it do what you're thinking about and I was like oh and that's also was hot and great because she was like a victim of relationship abuse and so it also gave her like the agency too to be like do it and then gets the whole mad dog experience <laughs> the whole mad dog experience <laughs> Yeah, their chemistry was amazing. I really love the Kate the couch makeout scene. It was hot with a capital T or capital. <laughs> I'm sorry, it was hot with a capital H. It was not being too much. Yeah, I'm having some issues today. So I love the moment where he gives her different colored glasses and kind of a metaphor for her yes. finally oh, seeing. God. Yeah, the world in a new way. You know, there were a lot of like subtle romantic gestures mm-hmm. that were more about being there for each other than like something grand and like a grand declaration. So Amy did 
uh, mention this, but I'll just say about halfway through this drama, I was still sort of unsure if this romance was going to actually f- like be satisfying for me. I was like, eh, I don't know if this is this is going to work. Like I was really engaged in the drama. I just wasn't sure that the actual romance was going to hit all the beats for me until the therapy scene where Min Kyung is talking about dogs and the therapist thinks thinks she's talking about dogs, but really she's talking about Wio when she says that there's this dog she likes. He's a big, aggressive dog who doesn't bite women. And there's this kind of hopeful wistfulness in her voice that really got me. And that's kind of when I started to think, oh, oh, I think this drama is really going to pull off a satisfying romance. And it did. Yeah, totally. I agree, too, because that's where I think I enjoyed like kind of the over the top setup at the beginning. And Mm -hmm. I did find it kind of it was funny for how Mm -hmm. gross it was. And then I did enjoy kind of the setup of like their hatred and it was very genuine. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, for me, I kind of fell into this thing of like, I'm not sure if this is like, it might just be too quirky for its own good and not have like depth. And then correct. It was, like, yeah. Just kidding. Just right. kidding. It's really got a lot of depth. Yeah. And that's that. And that was kind of the turning point for me because yeah, agreed. I thought maybe this would just be kind of like a weird little quirky romance that didn't actually like hit the right notes for me, but I still would have overall enjoyed the drama and the story. Uh, but it ended up being to me, yeah, an incredibly meaningful romance that I will think about a lot. I loved it. So let's talk about the relationship violence in this drama. Do you think it was handled with sensitivity or not? So I would say for me, I felt the drama really focused on the mental state and aftermath of the one who was abused rather than the persecution of the abuser. And to me, that humanized Min Kyung. We saw how she struggled and it gave a very clear storyline of you know, how some bruises never fade. And honestly, I can't even picture that her ex-boyfriend's face, like the actor, I can't, I can't even remember what he looks like. He, and which just shows to me that the drama focused way more on healing her than giving him like all this limelight and screen time. Does that make sense? Yeah. I like that a lot. It gave the power to her. It was her story, you know, not totally. His. And and she really had a lot of agency in her healing. Mm-hmm. Like she's the one who moved away. She was the one who decided, no, I'm not going to settle. She was the one who sought therapy. And yeah, I mean, maybe the choices she made weren't like great for her mental health at the beginning, but I feel like that was a whole journey that she had to take. Like, I don't, you know, she couldn't trust herself and that was actually kind of okay for a little bit she had to work through it and learn how to trust herself again and I thought just the entire journey was meaningful I thought it was sensitive to her and again I just felt like it sort of like humanized you know women like her and then I'm sorry people like her I see him caught in the end as well we do so and I I think that that you know that was a, a nice little sort of bow on top of the present yeah I you know I obviously can't speak for experience or speak from experience and say that, you know, this, how well this was treated, but I think for what we saw, I agree with you. Nothing was gratuitous. Like we do get to see some of what he did to her, but there was a purpose for putting that in the drama. And it was for Huio to actually understand what happened to her. And it's police evidence that he, you know, a video that he views from of course, CCTV, because CCTV finds everything because it did have it happened outside on a street in public, you know, this incident. So yeah, I just, yeah, I like that 
were able to get this full blown picture of her. He wasn't like a caricature. Like he wasn't a huge part of the drama, but he also wasn't a caricature. You know, I, I'm thinking back to, you know, I brought up, you know, the villain in My Love from the Star and that was a caricature. Like you couldn't take him seriously because he was just so like Dr. Evil Maniacal where this guy was like, you saw him snap and it was scary and I felt for her. And I thought that that was kind of important to see as well um, is to kind of, you know, have that empathy for her and see what she went through. So let's compare this drama to one that feels more mainstream and explain how the vibe is different. So I'm going to go all the way back to my number one drama, meaning the first one that I saw, which is Crash Landing on You. Nobody shits their pants in Crash Landing on You. (laughs) Not one person shits their pants. Captain Ree would never. Never. He would never. He doesn't even poop. Captain Ree does not. Steel. He does does not poop. He doesn't fart. He does not poop. He has no rectum. He has no butthole. (laughs) That that, that tunnel of love. He's Leo with no butthole. Yeah, he's like me with no butthole. And when he crawled through that tunnel for 24 hours, he did, there was nary a turd to be seen. <laughs> he didn't pee. Uh, he didn't need to pee. No. Just had a couple brushes of dirt. But I mean, so, you know, I learned a lot about K-dramas from Crash Landing on You. Like I learned that dramas can make, dramas can make me sob my heart out and then, you know, switch a scene and I'm laughing my butt off, you know, the next scene later. But while... Chloe ran through the gamut of like all my emotions, all my feels. And there were some amazing ensemble characters who might've had a little bit of quirk to their personalities. Nothing in the drama focused on any of the characters oddities. And I think oddities, I say oddities with love because I think that's another key to quirk is that the odd and the strange are included, but it's an endearing sort of odd and strange, if that makes sense. So Crash Landing on You was for me, a perfect drama, but it was not a quirky drama. So I think I'm going to go with airs because mad for each other kind of felt like an anti airs and I didn't love airs, but I really did in watching that completely enjoyed the ride. But these were characters that took themselves like, Oh, so seriously, (laughs) so much emo. The boys were like all in the emo and the and like there was humor, but honestly, I felt like we were also just dealing with like a lot of archetypes. Like, here's the bad boy. Here is the good girl. Here is the poor man, mom with the heart of gold. Here is the rich boy who needs love. And in mad for each other, I felt like the characters were much more like onions. You had to peel them back layer by layer. And as we went deeper, like you just kept getting surprised by what was there. I'm going to go with my roommate is a Gumio, which features Hayari playing a very quirky heroine, which is definitely her shtick. Uh, So while this drama did have some quirks to it, overall, the male lead, while being a Gumio, was still just conventionally, like, ridiculously good-looking and powerful, and he would never, ever, ever shit his pants. And it was, he also kind of took himself very seriously, okay? Whereas in Mad for Each Other, they saw each other at their worst from day one, and they had to work through that while also coming to respect one another. And I would say kind of like their quirks were the drama rather than the drama kind of working around and accepting their quirk. Yeah, I like that. I'm just, like, if we all crawled through the tunnel of love, he would be, like, a, just a shitty mess. <laughs> he would be bleeding. Oh, gosh, I love Weo. He would, though. He would He would come out snarling. Yeah, oh, he'd be like, so mad. 
He, he would was definitely so- be like chewing on a bug that he found, <laughs> like just whatever. <laughs> I think he would come out of that tunnel with like his underwear in his pocket and he just tossed yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> toss them on a nearby rock. I'll come get you later. Yeah. Like what are any other thoughts that you have on like the ending of the drama? So I mentioned earlier when I was talking about Min Kyung's arc that, you know, she gets to prove her trust in herself by traveling abroad and then coming back when she's ready. But like, where the fuck did she go? I like showing that she is independent, but where did she go for how long? Why? Like, don't get me wrong. I loved that she came back blowing her whistle to announce her arrival. And I loved the drama as a whole, but I literally backed up the last episode two to three times and then messaged Megan on Slack. And I was like, did I miss like an episode somewhere? Where is she? I don't right. know. I know. I saw someone say, I think I, cause I like looked it up because I was curious too. And I saw some, some people saying that maybe she went to Mongolia because she had been studying the language and I mean, maybe that's such a stretch to connect that. Though. I know. I mean, maybe but she, they definitely never said like mm-hmm. they definitely never, you know what I mean? Made it clear. Where she I went. would believe more that she was off cupping her farts in jars. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh, there's a better connection. I think you make a better connection to that than to Mongolia. Oh God. And I'm just going back till I beat my drum on the dad because, you know, like, first of all, once I realized like the parents didn't actually live in his house, like I get it. Your parents come in and they take over, but like, they really had like, they like basically acted like they were acting like he was such a nuisance for being there. Like, especially the dad. I'm like, (laughs) it's his place. Yeah. I thought he, I thought he was like, kind of like the loser son living at home. I did too. And And I think the drama wanted us to tell like that, but then like later I was like, okay so the son wasn't the loser son coming home like he has his own apartment whatever the dad has just decided to stop by and like take a deuce in his toilet and then gets so affronted that like his kid is in shambles and is like you know (laughs) there's nothing good for you and like the we also like the hero has like had a broken off wedding because of like his anger issues his fiance is you know we do have like an evil ex-girlfriend but yeah, it was just like that, like entitlement to be there and like the very like frustrated anger that like you're, <laughs> that someone might need to use the toilet in their own home and then being like, you're never going to amount to anything. And then his mom's like sobbing, like, is it because oh, I didn't gosh, love him did. enough that he's shitting his pants? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's not that deep. He just shit his pants. Like, it's really not that deep. Oh my God. Uh, so any last, last thoughts to get off your chest? <laughs> I just, yeah, I just, I need to know where she went. I'm still there. That's about it. And I want a Samantha spinoff, like Samantha in the city, like boom, Netflix, like, let's make this happen. I would watch that in a heartbeat. Oh, Samantha in the city. (laughs) So any book recs? So this week we're going to recommend Rock Bottom Girl by Lucy Score. It is considered a small town romantic comedy. And look, I'm not going to read the entire blurb to you. I'm just going to read kind of the little section at the end that she has to describe what is included in the book. And I feel like this kind of meets or this kind of fits our pod today. So story also includes a meat puke, 
a bouffanted nemesis, a yard swan and donkey basketball, a teenage orchestrated makeover, and a fake relationship that gets a little too real between the sheets. So that's like tons of fun. I know Lucy Lucy Score writes pretty quirky romances. Her heroines are always unique. So uh, yeah, again, it's Rock Bottom Girl by Lucy Score. And what's everybody watching? So I... I'm finishing Faded to Love You, which I really have enjoyed and will need to talk about. And it's everything Megan says that she doesn't want me to deliver in terms of it being a long plot with multiple crescendos of conflict and disaster upon disaster layered. And I've really enjoyed it. And I was, you know, binging it, binging it, binging it. And honestly, like my body gave <laughs> so the last like two nights I was like getting into bed being like I've got like an episode and a half left like I'm just gonna watch it and then next thing I know I'm like on BTS TikTok and I've like gone into some freaking vortex of like Nam June <laughs> and then like an hour has gone by and I just like fall asleep before I've gotten to it so tonight I'm like committed to finishing this drama yes and it's awesome how many episodes is that 20 of course it is. Jesus, Leah. I know. Oh, God. <laughs> but look, I, I just hate that you guys don't like that. I like 20 is like my wheelhouse. I know it is. It is. It is. I know. Whereas I'm like, can you just watch 12 uh, Mad for Each Other and then like Happiness, which are both like super short. And I hopped on the, I hopped on both of those and binged them. <laughs> I know you did. I know. Amy and I are on the same wavelength there. So I am almost finished with reply 1988. I have about three episodes left, like three and a half. And which of course is like five million hours (laughs) because each episode is like an hour and 40 minutes. It's crazy, but it's okay. I am obsessed with this drama. And, you know, every time we mention it on any of our social media channels, we do get a lot of people who also love it. So we're really, really excited to cover it and don't worry. It's coming. Yeah. I'm nearing the halfway point. I'm on, I'm in the middle of episode eight and I love it. And I'm excited to finish the million hours that are left. Uh, and this is my first park bow gum and I am deeply in love. (laughs) So, oh, I know he's just so precious, precious little angel. He's my precious little angel. That's what he, is. He, he gets out of the army in like April, maybe like it's coming up. Oh, okay. So, all right. Well, if you are still here through <laughs> fart jars and poop, pants, poop, <laughs> we, poop pants. Uh, yeah, then you're our people. Yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs> All right, everyone. Until next time. Kamsamnida. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Where can you find us outside the pod? Head on over to afternoonadelight.com. That's A-F-T-E-R-N-O-O-N-A-D-E-L-I-G-H-T 
www.kcskincare.com. You'll find links to all our social media, our book recs, K-pop and K-skincare recs, and if you want even more Afternoon of Delight, because really who doesn't, you can join our Patreon, where you can choose the patron level that's right for you. Join in daily K-drama conversations, listen to bonus podcast episodes just for patrons, and participate in our monthly live K-drama support group via Zoom. We can't wait for you to be a part of the community. Until next time, Annyeong!